flexibility, mobility, stretching, and range of motion, posture, so many opinions, so many experts, and everybody claims that they know better than everybody else. My entire career was based on the fact that I was able to get flexible, to stay flexible, whilst performing at a very high athletic level. I was able to do so because I had a great team of support. I had outstanding coaches, I had next level athletic therapists, plenty of research papers, and of course, 15 years of self-experimenting fueled by the desire of wanting to be the best while staying the best. After all of this, I now finally for the first time actually feel ready to give you precise advice on how you can get flexible, how you can stay flexible, and what it actually even means to get flexible and what happens to your body. Today's episode is exactly about this. Today's episode is an intro to flexibility. At the end of this episode, you're going to know why I believe you should be training flexibility, what influences your flexibility training. You're going to build a strong appreciation for how really everything influences your flexibility gains. And at the end, I'm going to give you very precise advice on how you can make your flexibility training more efficient, hopefully make more gains. And with that, well, winning is fun and ultimately make your flexibility training more enjoyable and more fun. My name is Sasha Bachmann. I've spent my entire life traveling the world, performing, training, and coaching, hand balancing, flexibility, and calisthenics. This is Handstands and the Rest, the podcast where I explain everything related to training handstands and the rest. The rest, the foundation of it being, of course, flexibility training, mobility training, bodyweight fitness, and calisthenics for skills. If you want to have a free flexibility workout customized towards your precise level, then click on the description below. It's going to take you to my website. There you're going to answer a few in-depth assessment questions. And based on those answers, I'm going to send you two emails. Email number one is going to be a middle split and hamstring workout. Email number two is going to be a back bending and front split workout. You can use those to get started on your flexibility journey or to push the envelope and break through existing plateaus. Last thing before we get started, the field of flexibility is enormous. It is way too much to cover everything in this one episode which is why I'm going to make a podcast series about how to get flexible, revealing all secrets that I found to help you make more flexibility gains. So here's what I want you to do. Head down to the comments below and let me know what are your biggest flexibility questions so I can make sure that in episode two of the flexibility podcast series, I can get back to you about every single one of these questions. But for now, without further ado, let's jump in. The first question up would be, why should you even train flexibility? Why bother? So there's a variety of reasons that some are more interesting to others. Number one, an obvious one, is going to be health. Flexibility training is going to help you improve your posture. It's going to help you regain normal human functions such as reaching overhead without having shoulder pain or reaching down to tie your shoes without having back pain. Ultimately, increasing your quality of life. It is important to mention here though that stretching alone is not going to fix your posture. Stretching alone is not going to make you healthy. It's not some kind of a wonder healer. Yes, of course, I want you to stretch. I want you to stretch with me. But I also want to be honest with you. Stretching alone will not fix your problems. You have to include into the stretching routine a well-balanced strength training routine, prehab and rehab routine. At the same time, it is important to mention that in order to go through your everyday life, the life of a regular human being, you don't need elevated levels of flexibility. You don't have to stretch for that. So a normal, healthy human being doesn't have to perform flexibility exercises. But here's where it gets specific. If you're working a desk job, if you're very career-driven, if you had an accident or any kind of injuries, mobility training most likely is going to be 
literally prescribed by the doctor and become a necessity for you to regain those regular human functions that you have lost due to the desk job or due to the car crash or whatever it's going to be. For all of our athletes, flexibility is going to help you lessen your risk for injuries. As an example, stretches will temporarily increase your available range of motion. Available range of motion means that that point where you hit the end range, where you're going to get injured, potentially, is going to be stretched further away, meaning you're going to be able to run freer. Taking the example of a soccer player, stretching right before the match is going to help him be able to open his legs a little bit wider. So if he runs fast, if he trips, if he gets pushed over, chances are high injuries will happen less likely because he's simply more agile and able to move better. The last reason why most of us train flexibility is because an increased range of motion will allow you to create a mechanical advantage in your calisthenics, handstands, yoga, dance, whatever it's going to do, you're going to be able to create a mechanical advantage to make technical drills easier. What do I mean with that? Taking the example of a handstand, for example, the wider that you can open your legs into a middle split, the longer your wings become and the easier it becomes to balance your handstand. Imagine you have an airplane with very big wings compared to an airplane that only has tiny, tiny wings. The airplane that has the big wings, you can imagine that it will fall over in the sky. The airplane with the small wings, questionable. Elevated hamstring mobility is going to allow you to press your handstand easier or to pull your legs through towards the outset much easier or on the other way towards the push-up. Coming back to the example of being able to open your legs wider, in calisthenics it's going to create a massive mechanical advantage. Think front lever, think planche, think back lever. The wider your legs open, the more your center of mass shifts and the less your shoulders have to lift. If you are at all interested in making technical gains, flexibility training is an absolute must for you. If you want to stay healthy longer whilst working hard, flexibility training is also a must for you. Flexibility depends on many factors. Internal factors, general factors, and of course there's a human factor. Getting started with it's really important to know that flexibility training is very specific. Yes, your entire body is connected. You have one line that goes from your heel all the way to your back up to your neck. Not a question. But here's the thing. Stretching your hamstring is not going to make your shoulders more flexible. Yes, you got to stretch your entire body to stay all over mobile. But if you want to get more flexible shoulders, you have to stretch your shoulders. Also keep in mind that some joints are naturally made to be more flexible. The hip and the shoulder being a great example of a ball and a socket joint. Very mobile, can move in all different directions. The elbow, on the other hand, is not meant to be mobile. It's not meant to be flexible, which means stretching it in most cases it's not going to make much sense and it's actually just going to cause injuries. At the same time, we have to keep in mind that not all flexibility is the same. I'm going to talk about this a little bit more in detail later. But if you want to have active flexibility, meaning being able to lift your leg in your end range of motion, you need to increase active flexibility. If you want to just sit in your split passively on the floor, you need to increase passive flexibility. Yes, of course, training passive flexibility will increase your active flexibility and vice versa. If you have a precise flexibility goal, you need to work for exactly that body part in that precise technique. Goals are specific. Those are general rules of flexibility that apply to everyone. But now, of course, the beauty of humanity is that we're all different. And how people gain flexibility and how easy it is to gain flexibility, that it really varies from person to person. Things that are important here is the elasticity of muscle tissue. How flexible are your tendons and ligaments? Skin elasticity is different from athlete to athlete. Then, of course, we have deep fascia. Think about this as a net that surrounds your muscles, your bones, your tendons, your organs, everything. It holds everything together. Different athletes will have different thickness of deep fascia. This deep fascia then can basically limit your available range of motion. 
This fascia also links muscles together in order to create a chain of muscles, again theoretically providing the ability to limit your range of motion. Other factors that of course play a huge role to flexibility gains are gender. Generally speaking, girls are more flexible than guys. Age of course also plays a big factor. Young children are able to gain flexibility much, much easier than adults. Starting at the age of 55, but truly manifesting itself at the age of 65, flexibility starts to decline. We mainly see this in the shoulders and the hips. It's not just age, but it's also just everyday wear and tear. As I said earlier, those are ball and socket joints. They move a lot. You move something your entire life a lot. Eventually, flexibility is going to go down a bit. And last of all, of course, there's a human factor when it comes to flexibility training. One's commitment to getting flexible, how much time you're going to spend training, how well are you able to focus on your flexibility training? Are you watching Netflix or playing games, scrolling Instagram or threads? Or are you actually focused on your flexibility training? Your ability to learn new movement patterns and then follow those movement patterns in a clean form. Are you able to do exercises right? Or is that difficult for you? If it takes more time to learn an exercise, it's going to take more time for you to see results from this exercise. Your pain tolerance. Of course, and I'm going to talk about this later, you don't want to push into pain. But depending on where your pain threshold is, your entire intensity of stretching and flexibility training is going to change. General health plays a huge role if you're unhealthy, if you're sick, if you're injured, you're not able to make flexibility gains. And of course, the current status of your rehabilitation or recovery process from your last workout, of course, also plays a huge role here. If you're sore, you cannot stretch efficiently. So... The big question now is, how do we actually get more flexible? What needs to happen to our body in order to increase range of motion to increase flexibility? First thing to know here is that inside of your muscles, there's the smallest contracting unit. It's called the sarcomere. Scientists have been able to measure that through continuous and repetitive flexibility training, this muscle recruits additional sarcomeres, meaning that's what at the end of the day makes you more flexible. You stop training flexibility, the smallest contracting unit goes away. Your body only keeps the ones that it actually needs. Really important here to know straight away as well is that flexibility is not just about your muscles. It's also about your veins, your arteries, about your joints, about your tendons, about your ligaments, and of course, altogether, about your fascia. The fascinating thing about the human body is that no matter which pressure you're going to put on it, eventually it will adapt to it. You put flexibility pressure on your body, the body adapts and over time gets more flexible. Your entire muscle units and fascia increase in flexibility due to the continued pressure that you put on it. On the other hand, at the same time, there's also brain adaptation. Yes, flexibility training changes the way your brain works. For example, your pain tolerance and pain threshold changes, meaning in the future, you're gonna be able to push further without even realizing that you're pushing further because when your brain translates discomfort to pain, this translation just happens a little bit further down the road. Additionally, there's a big group of scientists that believe that you don't actually get more flexible. Instead, your muscles just learn to trust your brain to relax more under tension. The first time you stretch, your muscles are like, wait a minute, I've never been in this position. I don't like this. I am tensing up. It's going to take a while for your muscle to develop trusts, to relax, be like, oh yeah, we've been here before and last time you didn't rip me in half, so I'll let you go a little bit further and then tomorrow we'll negotiate again. Maybe you can go a little bit further. Every day, the muscle allows you to go a little bit further and relaxes a little bit further. When it comes to training flexibility efficiently, you need to understand that truly everything matters. Flexibility training is hard, gains are slow, so we want to make this as efficient as possible. So I've put together quite the shopping list for you of things that you can take care of 
to basically enhance the probability of you getting more flexible. Number one is going to be the time of the day. Most people are most flexible in the afternoon. This accumulates to a high around 2 p.m. to 4.30 p.m. So if you have that luxury, try to stretch during this period of the day. We all wake up in the morning feeling stiff. Don't try to stretch then. Get in a walk, make yourself feel good. And when you're ready, when you feel the most flexible in the early afternoon, that's when you want to stretch. How you spend your time leading up towards your flexibility session is also essential. If you sit on a desk all day, of course, you're going to be more stiff. If you're doing heavy squats in the morning or the day before, your body will be stiff and it's going to be harder to stretch. If you want to make the most out of your flexibility session, you need to take your entire day leading up to your flexibility training into account. Look at it in detail. Plan your days. Plan your time. Body temperature plays a significant aspect towards your flexibility training. Studies have come to realize that the joint muscle tendon area that you're trying to stretch, if it's about 2 degrees Celsius elevated from the rest of your body or from regular body temperature, flexibility training comes much easier and flexibility gains are made much quicker. Believe it or not, nutrition will also make significant impacts to how your flexibility training is going to go down. A very clear and obvious example, alcohol. If you drink the day before, if you're hungover, your body is dried out and it's going to be more difficult to stretch. Knowing that when your body is dry, it's difficult to stretch. It's only logical to assume, and plenty of studies have actually proven this, a well-hydrated muscle stretches easier. Drinking lots of fluids, lots of water will help you get more flexible. At the same time, you could consider supplementing magnesium and vitamin B into your diet to prevent your muscles from cramping and further enhance your flexibility gains. Then, of course, the space that you're training in also makes a significant difference to your flexibility gains. We already said that it's easier to get flexible if your body temperature is elevated. It would only be logical to then train actually in a space that is nice and warm. If you're forced to training in a gym that is cold, or you live in Europe and it's winter and it's cold, you need to wear more clothes because you don't want to allow your joints and your muscles to get cold. Additionally, if you've ever traveled further south or maybe even you live further south, it is easier to stretch when humidity is higher. For example, we host our retreats in tropical areas such as Cancun, Mexico or Bali. Not just because the places are beautiful and because I absolutely love the beach, but actually because it is warm and humid which is perfect conditions to further increase your flexibility gains. Now, you know what flexibility depends on. You know what actually happens to your body when you get flexible. The last thing that really is missing now is when you head to the gym tomorrow or even tonight and you start working on your flexibility, what should you actually do? How exactly should you be training for your flexibility? Without going into too much tiny little details, because I want to keep that for a completely different episode, I want to give you the general overview of rules when it comes to flexibility training that I've been able to establish based on the experience of my own body, on my clients, and as mentioned above, plenty of research papers. Number one, consistency. Consistency is key when you're training in general, but for flexibility, possibly even more. I'd already mentioned it above, the sacromere, the smallest contracting unit inside of your muscle, the body creates and gets rid of them depending on how it needs them. If you build a bunch, you lose a bunch, you build a bunch, you lose a bunch, you're not making progress which is why consistency is so very important. Use it or lose it. Traditionally, flexibility gains are rather slow, and they should be slow. You're changing the way that your skeleton, your whole body works. If you do this quickly, if you don't take your time increasing your range of motion, chances are extremely high you're going to get injured. Current research says that if you do specific stretching for a specific body part for about 10 minutes per day, it's going to take you two full months to actually see results. 
Personally, I think if you stretch right, you're gonna feel results, but measurable changes inside of your body will take two months. The second most important thing when it comes to flexibility training, and honestly, I think this is where I see most of the mistakes happen, is correct form, and with that, their progressions. If you don't get this right, your flexible training will not have any effect, and you might even get injured. Form and progression are connected together. They're like a circle. They're like the question of the chicken and the egg, who came first? If your progression is too difficult, if your form is not right, you might be thinking that you're doing an exercise correctly, but you're actually doing something completely different. You're rounding your back instead of keeping your back straight. Meaning instead of stretching your hamstrings, you're actually stretching the rounding of your back. This will not help you get more flexible. And this will possibly even lead to injuries in body parts that you don't even expect. Additionally, if your progression is wrong, you're not able to relax into the stretch. Your muscle is not able to let go. Your muscle is not able to trust your brain that it won't get hurt. It's not able to let loose and you're not able to build flexibility. This means it is essential that you choose a progression that is easy enough so you can do it to 95% perfectly, yet at the same time still stretches you. Finding the right progression is not always easy. I have an exercise library of over 1,500 flexibility progressions alone. So I can promise to you, no matter your current level, there is the right progression for you. You just have to find it and you have to work on it. Possibly the biggest question of training flexibility is how much pressure should you put on your body and how far should you actually go? The most important thing to know here is that mild discomfort really is the magic word. This brings me back to the fact that your muscle has to trust your brain and not getting injured. If you put a lot of pressure on your body, if you put a lot of pressure on your muscle, the muscle will tense up because it's scared that it might rip. You actually only want to go to about 30% of your pain threshold. Stretching at 30% of this pain threshold is going to be much more beneficial than stretching at 80% of this pain threshold. Generally speaking, while doing your stretches, you want to be able to carry a conversation easily. It shouldn't be difficult to talk at the same time. If you're not able to speak anymore, you're in way too much pain, you're putting way too much pressure, and you're not getting the results you're looking for. Important things here to keep in mind is that over time, while you get better at stretching, your pain tolerance, your pain threshold will change, meaning you're going to be able to speak whilst pushing into a much deeper position because you don't realize this has as much pain anymore. Also, you want to keep in mind that pain tolerance and pain threshold can depend on many things. The amount of sleep, for example, how emotionally drained you are. If you are emotionally drained, stretches will hurt more because you're simply tired of working hard and going through pain. Many, many things go into how your brain actually receives pain. Additionally, and this is really, really important, when you train for strength, you can say, I'm going to do 80% of my one rep max for six reps. I'm going to test my one rep max. I know what's my bench and I'm going to train there. Flexibility is not quite as consistent. Flexibility is a little bit different every single day due to the external factors mentioned earlier. This means that instead of testing your one rep max once a year, once a month, and then holding on to this, you need to reevaluate how far you can go in your stretches, how deep you can push in your stretches every single day. We've also realized with plenty of clients that flexibility gains often come in waves. When you're riding the wave, when you're on a high, that's inspiring, that's amazing. But when you're sitting there waiting for the ocean to pick up so you can ride the next wave, those times can be frustrating. And those times will feel like plateaus and you need to accept that they are normal. It's not a constant up. I've spoken about all the internal and external factors that go into flexibility training. You need to accept that sometimes there's a month or two where you feel like you're just pushing and pushing a rock up a hill that doesn't move at all before then getting to the top of the hill and then just rolling down the hill on the other side. Your muscles do take time to build this trust to your brain. 
And sometimes building this trust takes longer, but you always got to keep in mind if you stay consistent, if you do the hard work, and especially if you do the hard work right, you're going to break through this plateau. And then when you break through, you're on this next wave, you're going to see it was all worth it. When it comes to trading volume and frequency, I personally recommend to stretch about three times per week. Every second day is a very good starting point. If you're doing a static stretch, research papers say that you should hold this stretch for 30 to a minimum of 40 seconds. Personally, I believe starting with 30 seconds, building up to 30 seconds is a really, really good way of getting started with stretching. How long really you should be training flexibility per day, how many days per week, it's difficult to just globally say like this because there's so many external and internal factors. What's your age? What's your background? How fit are you? How flexible are you already? Are you used to training flexibility? Where do you live? Is it warm? Is it cold? There's so many factors that go into account that we can't globally say you should be doing exactly this and exactly that. But stretching your entire body throughout the week and each body part every second day to a total of three times per week, holding static stretches for about 30 seconds is a good starting point. And from here, you can always make adjustments to train more or possibly even less. Just like strength training, flexibility training will make you sore. It's a different soreness, but it can feel quite similar, which makes it difficult sometimes to distinguish the two. Are you sore because you lifted hard or because you stretched hard? The more you train both, the more you're going to be able to understand the difference. What's important for you to know right here, right now, is that if you are sore the day after training flexibility, that is normal. You don't want to be overly sore. You don't want to be in pain but slight soreness can happen. Recommended things here, of course, are foam rolling, taking a hot bath, basically all the things that can help you enhance your flexibility training will also help you enhance your flexibility recovery. Over time, your body will get better at recovering from flexibility training, meaning this recovery period will be cut shorter because your body simply gets better at recovering. Once your body gets better at recovering, you can increase training frequency, train more often, and with that, hopefully, make more flexibility gains in the long run. Really important thing to mention here also is that stretching doesn't actually help with getting less sore. If you do a heavy leg day and the next day your legs are sore, stretching your legs, modern studies have proven, doesn't actually help carry out the lactic acid, doesn't actually help getting you less sore. Yet, we all know that we do feel better after stretching after a heavy leg day. We know that you don't feel better because of the stretches but we believe that you feel better due to the repetitive motions, the repetitive movements done during this flexibility session after your heavy leg day. The last really important point when it comes to your flexibility training session is of course, variety. Now remember we said earlier that flexibility gains are specific. First of all, they're specific towards the muscle unit that you're stretching, for example, your hamstrings, but then they're also specific towards the kind of flexibility. And in order to truly make gains in flexibility, to optimize your flexibility training, but also to make it as specific as possible towards your specific goal, you need to be aware of the different types of flexibility and you need to actively work them and actively incorporate them into your flexibility training. Dynamic stretches are very beginner friendly and they're great for warm up. It's basically when you're using momentum to go in and out of a range of motion without actually hitting your end range of motion just yet. Most workouts are going to incorporate dynamic stretches, if you know it or not, at the beginning of your training session. Right after dynamic stretches, staying with the super typical stretches, we have static stretches. Most people are doing static stretches. If you are just starting out with flexibility, these two types of stretches are going to be the main ones that you're working on. Static stretches are so great because since you're not moving, 
You can focus on body position. You can focus on relaxing the right muscles while engaging other muscles that hold you in position. And you can focus on finding the right progression, using yoga blocks, using whatever is needed to pop yourself up in the good form to then make sure the stretch is as efficient as possible. PNF stretches refer to post-isometric relaxation stretching techniques. They're highly efficient and they're recommended to be mainly used for long isometric chains, like for example, your hamstrings. The idea is that you're going to engage a muscle for about three to five seconds before then relaxing it for three to five seconds. And you usually perform these in the cycles of four, five, or even six rounds back to back. Now, the idea here is that the engagement of the muscle before relaxing us will help you with two things. Number one, you're going to pre-fatigue the muscle before you're going into the deeper stretch, allowing you to then stretch deeper because your muscle is more tired to push against. The second thing is that engaging the muscle that you're working on is going to create a mind muscle connection. This is then going to help you relax this muscle when it comes to the stretching portion of the cycle. It helps you figure out where the muscle that you're working on even is and how to actively relax this muscle into your deeper stretch. Important to mention here is that when I say engaging the muscle, there shouldn't be a visual difference in your body position. For example, doing a pancake stretch obviously focuses mainly on the hamstring. So you want to engage your hamstrings. You would engage your hamstrings by slightly bending the knees, pushing the heels into the floor and pulling them towards your glutes. Now we don't want to actually pull the feet towards the glutes, bring your knees all the way up, this and that. No, it's a very slight and small movement. This engagement really is more felt internally than externally visually big. Ballistic stretches are especially common for athletes, but much more recommended for advanced athletes than beginners. Ballistic stretches use the momentum created by the opposite muscle in combination of gravity and speed to swing the limb past the natural end range of motion. These stretches can be highly effective, but at the same time, they're only for advanced athletes. If you're just getting started with flexibility, they're not gonna help you at all because you're not gonna be able to do them right. The last flexibility technique that is talked about a lot is active flexibility training. Say, for example, little leg lifts in a hamstring stretch. The idea is to use the opposite muscle to lift the trained limb or joint into its end range of motion. Personally, I don't believe in them so much. And let me explain to you why. I don't believe that this opposite muscle, which in the leg, for example, will be the hip flexor, is going to be strong enough to lift your leg far enough to actually get an efficient hamstring stretch. Yet, you cannot argue with two things. Training active flexibility is essential in order to gain end range of motion control in this newly gained range that you've created with your flexibility training. And number two, plenty of studies show that having strength in the antagonist muscle and the opposite muscle is going to help the stretched unit, in our example here, the hamstring, to relax more. So it is impossible to argue that these stretches are not essential. They are essential but I personally wouldn't recommend them for you if you're starting out of flexibility training and really your main interest right now is to, to get going and to build base flexibility. They're specific, they're advanced, yet they need to have a place in a well-balanced training routine. Putting all of this together is not easy and planning things correctly is complex. You can train flexibility every day a little bit, train into the day, do this exercise, do that exercise, do whatever comes to mind. You will initially probably make some gains. But those gains will not be sustainable because if you come home and you're sore, you don't even know why you're sore. If I ask you, hey, let's train twice as much today, let's really dial it up, we're going to increase our flexibility training. If you don't have a plan, if you don't know what you're doing, you're not able to do more or you're able to do less. You're just stuck with training into the day, doing whatever comes. Having a precise plan before you go to the gym is essential, but not just for this day. It's important that you get a plan for multiple weeks 
possibly even months to come. Just like strength training, flexibility training can and should be periodized and should change over time. You do not depend on a huge variety of exercises throughout the week or the month. If you have a well-balanced routine, and if you find the right exercises that work for you, if it's a plan that you enjoy doing, that you're actually able to do, and you're seeing all over well-balanced results, you do not have to change exercises every single day. But creating this golden routine is not easy. It takes a lot of consideration and it's going to take time. This in depth and many more things are going to be topics for future episodes. I have a long list of research that I want to present to you guys, that I want to go through, that I want to discuss with you guys to help you make your flexibility training more efficient. But at the same time, I'm curious about what do you actually want to learn about? Do you have specific flexibility questions? If so, head down to the comment section now and let me know. Let me know what are your big flexibility questions and how can I help you make more flexibility gains in the near and long-term future. If you want to have a customized flexibility workout towards your specific levels for free, then click on the link down below. It's going to take you to my website where you're going to do a short but precise flexibility assessment. You're going to answer a couple of questions and based on those questions, I'm going to be able to send you two emails. Email number one is going to be a hamstring and middle split workout customized towards your current level. Email number two is going to be a front split and a backbending workout. Generally, I like to divide my flexibility training throughout the weeks in these two workouts. One works our hamstrings and middle splits. The other is more a hip flexor and backbending focused workout. Why exactly I want to do this? You guessed it right in the next episode. Making flexibility accessible and efficient to everyone is not easy. But if you follow the key principles explained during this podcast, you're on the right track to make the most out of every single flexibility session and to make lasting, true, visible, and especially feelable results. Keep in mind that different lifestyles require different levels of mobility. There's no one stretching routine that's flexible enough to fit every single person It's going to work for every single goal. You are individual, your goals are individual, and so should your flexibility routine be. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you learned something. I hope you had some fun. I hope you're ready to go and make those flexibility gains. And I'm looking forward to seeing you next time.